What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Song of Songs 7. When you look at verses 1 through 8, we've spent a lot of time here. Why? Because there is a reality that she is coming into. She has absolutely been transformed by the power of the words of Jesus. And he begins to speak into her. And what I've done is I've just kind of taken my notes of where we've been on 7 verse 1 all the way through the end. And I've just kind of made them a statement, if you will, in my own words, because you're going to see this mature bride. This is what he declares over her. She is, verse 1, royalty, right? Bare feet, homeless, royalty sandals. She is a beautiful poem, workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, beautiful poem. She's a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. She is intoxicating like mixed wine. It is a joy for her to submit to Christ as she follows his lead. She's like a strong tower that others can run to and be safe. She is completely pure in all her movement. She's pure in her vision. She has such great discernment that she can sense when the enemy is near. She understands her authority and she stands in it unwavering. He is held captive by her because she's so pleasant to be around. He so delights in her. She nourishes him. She satisfies him. At the same time, she bears such amazing fruit, abundant clusters in everything she does, and she is like the best bottle of wine that money can buy. How beautiful and how pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. This is what he just declared over her. This is what all these, this allegory means, right? And guess what? She has received it. She's received it. And she responds in verse 9. It goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over my lips and teeth. I am my beloved's. And his desire is for me. So she responds in this section, you can put internally. Internally, there is a welling up from her mouth these statements that we're going to go over today. It's internal. But then it doesn't stay internal. It actually moves to the external. And I want you to put by uh, verse 11 through 13, external. External, external, why? Because we are Christians, we move from the inside out. If I really believe this Jesus, if I really believe he is absolutely in love with me, if I really believe that he sees me like these verses declare in one through eight, then I'm going to move differently. And here's the deal, church, the reason why the church doesn't move like she should is because the internal conviction hasn't been settled yet. 
we're not really truly convinced. This is why I have you in John 17. John chapter 17, and this is the priestly prayer of Jesus. And he's praying for the 11, because one went missing. Verse 6, John 17. I have manifested your name. Your name? How many names of God are listed in the Bible? So the name speaks to the character and nature of God. The character and nature of God. There's devotionals where you can settle in on one name every single day of the year for God, who God is, his character, his nature. I've manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. I want you to highlight that, kept your word. Kept your word. What does it mean to keep something? It means you don't hold up, you don't let go of it. It means it is my precious. I keep it in front of me. I've hidden your word. I've treasured it in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Oh, God, please don't let me wander from your commandments. Please. Keeping your word, your word, your word. What does it mean to keep his word? Jesus kept the word of God in the wilderness. Why? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by what? Every what? Word that comes from the mouth of God. There's a keeping of God's word. And Jesus is saying, They've kept your word. Verse 7 here. Know that everything that you have given me is from you. Now they know everything that you've given me is from you. Can you look at Christ and say that? Jesus, everything that I have is from you. Everything. I remember when my kids were little, I would try to teach him this lesson by giving them cookies. And I had a whole box of, of, you know, double stuff, Oreos, okay? But I'd give him one little cookie. Hey, could daddy get a bite? No, mine. Now, this is the, <laughs> the depravity of man evident right there. I bought it. Now I'm giving it to you, you little heathen pagan. You little self-centered. And the test was, if they, here you go, Daddy. Now I bring out the whole case. And here we are, acting like little kids with our diapers on. Can, where, where's the hallelujah? I thought we rejoice in truth. Love rejoices in truth. Here we are with our diapers, not really saying, God, everything is from you and whatever you want, take it. John 3, 27, the, the, Jesus said, there's no greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist. John the Baptist said this in John three twenty seven: a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. 
when we're truly convinced that he gave me everything that I have. See, some of us think we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. Some of us think we worked harder than anyone else. Some of us think, yeah, the success, I had a lot to do with that. No, the decision to be disciplined, the decision back in the day to not go get high before your SATs, but to actually study for them, that decision might have been God and not you. Now they know everything that you have given me is from you. Jesus lived like that. Why did we know he lived like that? Look at verse 6 again. You gave them to me, the disciples. God gave the disciples to Jesus. He gave them. Jesus lived like that, completely free. Verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me. So I want you to highlight in verse 6, they have kept your word. And then verse 8, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they received them. They, they, They actually have received them into their heart. And they have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed you sent me. So it's one thing to know God's word is true. And most Christians believe that the word of God is unfallible. Infallible. That it's inerrant. That it's God breathed. Like, we know that, but yet, but yet, but yet, we haven't really received the words internally so that we know that it's truth, and when we know that it's truth, we actually live out externally what she lives out. Now, let's go back to Song of Songs. See, the disciples, they really believed How do we know that? Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they were together on one accord and they were just praying. Why were they praying? Why were they there? Because Jesus said, wait, wait for the Holy Ghost to come. Wait for Pentecost to come. They were waiting. They were praying and waiting, and then the Holy Spirit fell. He didn't say, go be my wit. Go, 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 go. He said, no, don't go because you're going to mess it up without the Holy Spirit. So go wait for him. And they were waiting. They received what he said. They received his words. So here in verse 11, because of the internal reality of what she believes, of Song of Songs 7, 9 through 13, she's internalized it. And she's vocalizing it back. This is why we worship God. We want to worship in spirit and in truth. There's many times I'm listening, like the most lie, the most, uh, most time that a Christian lies to God is usually during the worship songs. If it is your first time here today, And we just, we don't realize what we're singing. We don't realize it. And Jesus is looking for worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. And she's saying this, 
And, it's, and you're going to tell she's saying 9 through 13 because now she's about to walk it out. Look at her movement. She's like, come, my beloved. Let us go out into the fields and in the villages. Let us go out early in the vineyards. Like she wants to get up early and go to work. Who in their right mind wants to do that? I'm like the baby when my alarm goes off. Ah, already? Already? Snooze, snooze. She has this excitement. Let's go early. Let's see where the vines have budded. The grape blossoms have opened. The promegranate are in bloom. And there I will give you my love. That's key. That's key. Why is that key? Because her motive wasn't work. She was going to work to give him her love. Is that why you're going to work Monday? Maybe that's why you hate work. The mandrakes give forth fragrance, and beside our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I've laid up for you, my beloved. That's her response. Mandrakes, they represent, and we'll talk about this next week, aphrodisiac. She's like, "Uh, I'm prepared to give you my love. So Christianity is lived from the inside out. There has to be an internal conviction before there's an external manifestation where you go. You don't want to fake it till you make it. Do you really, really, really love Jesus? Is the cross enough that if he never does anything for the rest of your life, no more answered prayers. Would you still follow him? She has been through chapter five, church hurt. The church hurt her. But she responds to that hurt by saying, tell me where I can find my beloved. I'm sick with love. And some of us have been stuck in church hurt for years. Let's go to Song of Songs 9b. So now she responds to his declaration, his affirmation, how he sees her. She's really, truly received it, so she declares, it goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over lips and teeth. Let's pray again. Father, we need you now. We need you. The reality is, God, that when the things of God come and when your leadership comes, it doesn't glide over smoothly. There's hesitation in our life. There's fear. There's worry. There's all the what ifs. And the reality is, is we're not convinced of your love. And so, God, this message today is not going to do anything unless you pour out your spirit upon us and you reveal what is blocking. So this great work, God, may it be chipped away by the preaching of your word because your word is a hammer that breaks the rock. But, God, we know we can plant all we want and water all we want, but only you bring the increase. And we just ask for your precious, precious 
Holy Spirit to be poured out in this place. Would you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying? Bring a revelation, God, to this church so that we worship in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. When she says it goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over lips and teeth, that means that there's no resistance whatsoever. Disciple, is there any resistance to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life? You might want to write that down. You don't want to move on that, off of that question. You want to really answer that question. Because a lot of us do have things that hinder. Do I have full union with the Holy Spirit so that there is no resistance? Now, let's get off of ourselves now and focus our gaze upon Jesus. I want you to turn to John 4.31, please. John 4.31. Why do we get our eyes off ourselves and focus on Jesus? Well, because Scripture is very clear. I've been, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the one that gave himself up for me. Colossians 1.27 says that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, Colossians 3.3, you died when Christ died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, that we are in Christ. We have union with God. In fact, Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one. We have a oneness with God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is living inside of us so that we Look now at Jesus because Jesus is inside of you. The issue is a lot of times we hinder him. And let me just say, move, get out the way, get out the way, move. Old folks are like, what the heck was that? All the young bucks are like, nah. Listen, 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 listen to this. This is, this is, and we're going to go to John in a second. That's just how I do what I do, right, guys? Listen to Matthew 4.1. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who's signing up for that today? Who's signing up for that? <laughs> Look, Jesus, I want to I I be led by your Spirit today, Okay. I want you to fast for 40 days, not in your air-conditioned home, go out into the Everglades. <laughs> that would be a real men's retreat, right? <laughs> Anywho. Okay, let, let's, let's, let's come. Uh, Jesus. John 4.31, Jesus is talking to this woman at the well. What was the resistance for her? Well, there was some racism in her life because she's talking about the Samaritans versus the Jews, so that was some resistance. 
There was some false religion going on in her life. Jesus had to correct that. And then also there was some sin in your life. And Jesus exposed that and said, hey, sweetie, why don't you go get your husband? And she's like, I don't, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five of them. And the one that you're living with, yeet. she's wanting that living water. She's wanting to drink. But guess what? There's some stuff. And this is how good our God is. He's going to expose your stuff. He wants to give living water. He came to give living water. He told her about the living water, but before she could get the living water, he had to expose the hindrance. It wasn't going to go down smooth. You can't live your life and follow Jesus. You can't walk with continuing unconfessed sins and rebellion and receive the living water that he offers. This is why we have to repent, to change, and to think again, and to turn away, and turn towards our beloved. And so, this is the crazy thing. Jesus was there, and the disciples, they went off to eat. Why did they go off to eat? Because they were hungry. They had just done a nine-mile walk. I'd be hungry, no judgment. What do they call it, hangry? We've all been there. Oh, I just need to pull into Chick-fil-A. So they were off doing that. They were eating God's chicken. But they came back. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have no food to eat. I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, and you might want to highlight this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. The food for Jesus was to do the will of God and to finish or accomplish the work that God had him to do. That was his food. That is crazy. But actually, it's normal Christianity that we would think about the will of God more than breakfast, lunch, or dinner. That we would be so fixed on what is your will, God? How can I bring this to pass? That we think about it more than feeding our own lives. See, this is why it doesn't go down smoothly for us. Because when we get exposed, wow, I think about food all the time, but I rarely think what is your will three times a day. In fact, I've got my food planned out for the week. How how many of those irritating people do we have here? You cook your food for, you're measuring it. And I love you guys for that. I'm jealous. Come to my house. Do that for me. Be so consumed with the will of God. And see, he rebukes the disciples in verse 35. 
And he says, do you not say there are yet four months and then the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields that are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? The woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. She received. Many believed because of Jesus saying, it's not about food for me today. It's about the will of God. And let me just tell you something. On a personal note, There is people in here, you have been laboring and laboring and laboring and laboring. And we're probably surrounded by people in here who have said, I will not go into the harvest. I will not serve. I will not volunteer. I will not. And guess what? The reason why we're not seeing the harvest like we should, even though some are faithfully sowing, is because there's a refusal for those who want to sit in pews every week and just attend church, never to get involved, never to serve. I just want to listen. And so the harvest never happens. And so for those of you who have been sowing, And sowing, and faithfully sowing, and there's been no harvest, Galatians 6, 9 is for you. What does it say? Come on. Do not grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. For then what? You're going to reap a harvest in due season. And listen, some of you here today that have been sitting on the bench for years, and you're not focused on the kingdom... Maybe you're the reason why there's not a revival happening. Some of you are like, how could you be so? Did you see what Jesus said? Did you see what he said? He says, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. There's people here, you're called to enter into the labor of another so that the harvest can come. Let's go to John 6, 38, since we're in John, please. Again, if you got six little kids hanging off your legs, ladies, it might not be the right season for you. So be sensitive to that. But sometimes, sometimes, we have a church that's disobedient. John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Disciple, can you say that in truth, looking into the eyes of Jesus? And so this is the thing. This is Christianity. Christianity is this, is that Jesus Christ, he comes to live inside of you, to live the life that you are incapable of living. 
He wants to live by the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants to live his life through you. And so we have to get out of the way. And we have to acknowledge the reality that, yeah, it's not going down smoothly. Why is it not going down smoothly? Because we don't. We do not believe chapter 7, 1 through 9. We don't believe that. We don't believe we're royalty. We don't believe we're beautiful. We don't believe that we have discernment. We don't believe in the authority that he has given us. We don't believe that we're a strong tower that people can run into us and we're safe. We don't believe that, that his delight is in us and he loves us so much and we're called to produce fruit and abundant clusters. We don't believe who we are in Christ. We don't believe who Christ is within us and therefore, because we haven't received the words, we can't live them. This is why Jesus says this, the greatest commandment is what? Love God with what? All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, it's like the first. It's not the first. It's like the first because the second is an outflow. You can't love people unless you've received the love of God. My early years of ministry, I hadn't been able to receive the Father's love because of my father that died when I was two. And I had coaches coaching me in Little League and this and this. And the only time I would get an attaboy is if I did things right. Whenever I messed up, it was, it was a performance just being grained in me. It's what I do. It's what I do. It's what I do. So I put a legalistic yoke on people. Hey, you've got to do. You've got to do. You've got to do. And I never received the love of God to the place in my heart where I forgive my dad for the lack in my life. I forgave him for not being there. I forgave him for loving himself more than loving me because he loved me more than than himself. He wouldn't be dead. He died as a drunk driver, flipped his car in a canal and drowned. But if he loved me, he wouldn't have done that. And I had no idea I was holding that against him. And his view and the father's love was blocked because of the hurt and the pain and the lack, and the other male leaders in my life, who, by the way, were just trying to be good coaches, but it was all dependent on my performance. And so when I started out in ministry, I was performance, performance, performance. And I couldn't just love people to love people to love people, and you don't have to do anything. Well, Chris, you're contradicting yourself because you just said the harvest, and yeah, I know. There can be two truths that are not contradicting. It's a paradox. And some of you needed to receive that rebuke because you've been on the pew way too, you're spiritually constipated. And it's time to get off the pot. Some of you are in a different season where you need to stop working. You need to quit. And you need to rest and you need to receive. This is why a pastor has an impossible task Because everybody's at a different place. Lord, what is it that I need to pick up today? Don't pick up everything I'm selling. By the way, I'm not selling. This is free. It's no charge. (laughs) What is it, God, are you telling me to do? Do I need healed before I go?
So John 6.38 is a real important verse for all of us. Can we truly say that to Jesus? I don't want to do my will, Jesus, but your will. Have we reached that place in our life? You want me to quit my job? I'll quit my job. You want me to take the promotion to work harder so I can give more to the kingdom? Whatever you want, that's what I'll do, Jesus. Have you reached that place in your life? The sons of thunder came with their mom and they're like, hey, can I sit on your right hand and your left? And Jesus responds back with this question, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? See, we, we, want, we want Jesus a lot of times for what he can do for us. But when it comes time to drinking something we don't want to, it doesn't go down very smoothly, does it? I want you to look, go to Luke 22. And let me just tell you, all of creation came to a standstill. Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, watch out, don't fall into temptation. And he goes, Luke twenty two forty one. he goes about a stone's throw away, and he kneels down on the ground and he prays, and he says in verse 42 of Luke 22, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. First of all, I want to say, disciple, it is okay if you don't want to drink the cup. This is where grace comes in. (laughs) There's been so many things that I didn't want to do that I knew God was calling me to do. And it's okay to tell God, God, I kind of don't want to do that. Actually, not kind of. I really don't want to do that. But you're coming to... Not an unmerciful judge, but you're coming to a loving father. And according to Isaiah 55, his ways, they're not our ways. His thoughts, they're not our thoughts. How much different is his uh, way of doing things? It says there, as far as the heavens are above the earth. How far is that, by the way, scientifically? We don't know. We don't know. We haven't figured that out. And so, so are my ways higher than yours. And so when, we are at, when, when God's going to ask us to do something and he's going to lead us, it may be a cup we might not want to drink. Do you trust in the love that was demonstrated on the cross for you enough to say, I don't want to do this, but... Not my will, but yours be done. And let me tell you, Christian, you can't do that. But if you look inside and you remember that it's Christ that's living in you, you can do that. Jesus, I don't want to take this cup, but yet not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes we think, oh, does that mean I'm moving to Africa? No, it means this. 
Your wife wants you to do the dishes, and you are enjoying a game. And you know she's not led by the Spirit. But it's not the time to rebuke her. And so, God, not my will, but yours be done. What are you saying, God? Hey, daughter, come on downstairs and go do the dishes for me. Dad's watching. That's why we have kids, right? No, I'm just kidding. And listen, listen, listen. Forget about Africa right now. Unless God's saying that, by the way. But most of us, it's in the little things. He who's faithful with what? A little, God will give him what? So, so finding the will of God, following the will of God, it's not in the big, huge things. Like, this was huge right here. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That was the cross. That was an excruciating uh, uh, thing that Jesus was going to embrace. He was going to be killed and crucified, mocked, have his back ripped out so that you could see his vertebrae, right? They, they ripped out his back with a cat of nine tails. Like he was going to go through excruciating pain. And that's why it, it, it says he was dripping drops of blood, which is a real medical condition that if you get so stressed, your body's so stressed, you can actually drip drops of blood. And Jesus was saying, not my will be, be done. But Christian, it doesn't. See, that was the end of Jesus's life. It might just be the dishes for your wife. Here's a question. Have I lost all of my sympathy for a soulish life? Soulish life, your mind, your will, your emotions. Not my, not what I think, it's what you think. Not what I feel, it's what you feel. Not my will, but yours be done. The soulish life is focused on self. Life that's in Christ is on the Lord. So things go down smoothly. Do, do, do I desire to live in God's presence, to be led by his spirit? See, Jesus drank without any hindrance, and we are to be like Christ. I want you to turn to Psalm 81.10, please. By the way, this passage was the favorite passage of one of my heroes, George Mueller. If you don't know who George Mueller is, do yourself a favor and, and read books about him. Mighty man of God. He, he, he was called to serve the orphans, and he created a living space that housed thousands of orphans. He started 117 Christian schools in his life. Because God had told him to raise up a generation. A righteous man lives for the next generation. G Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that. And George Mueller lived a life poured out for the little ones who were orphans. Pure religion. James 1.27 is widows and orphans. Here's what he's, his favorite passage, Psalm 81.10. I am the Lord your God. Who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You want to highlight that. 
And you might want to put Song of Songs 7, 9 there. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Listen, Christian, Israel is us, by the way. Not that we, 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 we hate replacement theology from the standpoint that we are the people of God. That's just what I'm talking about. We are the people of God. Oh, that my people would listen to my voice. Then these things would happen only if they could walk with their mouth open wide and God filling it. Imagine a a, a mommy bird. She comes with food and the little babies, they're just there opening. They're just open, 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 open. Why? Because it goes down smoothly. They believe that their mother loves them. They believe that their mother has food for them. They're hungry. They're crying out for more. So just wide open, feed me, feed me, feed me. And we need to have that posture with God so that we open wide and it goes down smoothly. And so the question today, that I want you to dwell and meditate on. Is your mouth open wide, Christian? Are you willing to drink the cup? Does it go down smoothly like this beloved? Is there any resistance to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life? And some of us can't trust God because of our parents. Some of us can't trust God because of the church. Some of us can't trust God because, because, because. And you're here today because, listen, he loves you. He purchased you with his own blood, Christian. And he wants you to drink whatever he brings you. He wants you to be like this woman that says, I believe everything that he says, and I'm fully convinced so that I open my mouth wide, expecting him to fill it. And not only that, it goes down smoothly for my beloved. There is no resistance in my life to the Holy Spirit's leading. Are you there? Am I there? Let's be honest. No, we're not. No, we're not. And the question is why? God's revealing things in my life right now because I'm not there yet. There's a couple things he's been putting on my heart and I can't get a breakthrough and I'm asking God why and I want you to do the same. Early in my walk when Bill, raise your hand real quick, Bill. Bill Hobbs, founder of Urban Youth Impact. In 1998, he says to me, hey, I want you to come and serve once a week on Thursday night. You need to do it every week for a whole year. I left his office and said, no, I can't do that. I didn't commit right away. Why? Because I had a root issue in me that was, I never commit, I I can't commit to anything. I can't finish anything. I'm a quitter. I'm going to give up. I don't want to make a promise that I can't keep. See, understanding church right now, like if we can be that honest, salvation's right there. Salvation's right there. 
Salvation meaning wholeness and wellness and healing, not going to heaven when you die. Wholeness, wellness, healing, sozo. It's right there. If you can begin to be honest with God and say, okay, I can't do this. There's resistance because of this. All of a sudden, now God can come in and he can begin to deal with that. And so it took me about a month. And I said, okay, I'll commit. I'll commit. I'll commit. But if I wasn't honest with the Lord and I just received the first thought that came into my mind, I would have missed out. There's a lot of you, you are believing lies right now. I just don't have time to serve. Okay, give me your phone. Yeah, you're averaging three hours a day on social media. You you make time for what's important to you. And so we just, I don't have time. Bring that to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, do I have time? I feel like I don't have time. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Do I have time? And this is how we move with God. Is there resistance? Show me God. Show me God. Jeremy, do you have that video? The breakdance one. I want to play this for you real quick. Okay, Jeremy, I think we got it. Late 80s, early 90s. Chris, what are you... You're crazy. That doesn't even go with your message. It actually does. Because that was the reason. That was the reason I didn't want to follow Jesus. That was a, that as a young like in the like I graduated high school in 1991, right? So that was out. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I want to distance myself from that. Now we can look at that and laugh, and some of you are like, I'm with you, bro. But when we invite the Holy Spirit in, what was the root of that? That was pride on my part, not their whatever that was. (laughs) And a lot of times we're deflecting on other people and we're not sensitive enough with the Holy Spirit's leading to say, Chris, the reason why you don't want that, it's because you love yourself and you want to be cool. You have an image that you want to project. You Can I just tell you that root, it's still in most of us in here today. Paul says, I'm a fool for Christ. I'm a fool for Christ? Are you willing to be a fool for Christ? 
Most of us care too much with how it's going to make us look if we surrender all. And that might be the thing that's stopping you today. What's it going to look like? And so right now, I want you to get out of your seat and come break dance up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God loves you so much, even though you can't dance. He loves you despite you. And because of the cross, you are fully pleasing to him. He is passionate about you. And so why do we resist? He can be trusted. His love was demonstrated on that cross. We can trust him completely to drink any cup, any cup, God. So it goes down smoothly. And when we're honest about what is resisting and what is hindering, he can come in and heal. He can come in and fix. And when I begin to confess to people, hey, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what I don't like. This is what concerns me. We bring that into our prayer group and we confess that. Man, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If if I continue to hold it in, it's, there's opposition. But when I tell everybody, hey, this is why I don't want to follow Jesus, would you help me? He's going to come into that grace, and he's going to bring healing. This is why we need community. This is why we need church, family. And I want a family, and God, more importantly, wants a family that's speaking the truth and love to one another. The truth and love? Yeah, I can share the truth about what I am resisting because I'm convinced you love me, church member. We always think of speaking the truth in love as confronting somebody. No, no, no. I'm free to speak truth in here because I'm convinced you love me. And if you don't, I've already, Philippians 2, 7, made myself of no reputation. So if you gossip about me, I don't care. It's between you and the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just confess. There's been so many times that we've resisted. Where, where we did not want to drink the cup, whatever that is. And I pray, God, right now that you would help us as we worship you and as we sit and sing with you. That your truth would reign in us and we would release. We would just release. Yeah, God, I, I, I don't want to do this. I, I, I really, I, I'm having a hard time trusting you. Help me to receive your words. Help me to believe that you love me. Help me to believe that you're never going to leave me or forsake me. God, I just pray, God, for, for your spirit searches all things. That you would just search us and know us, God, and, and see if there is any place in our life and in our hearts, God, that is bringing a resistance so that we can give that to you and have you remove it from us so we can open our mouths wide and begin to drink the living water without any resistance, God. I pray for revival today, God.
Because if each one of us does this, we will experience a revival. So Jesus, help us to fix our gaze upon you now. May your cross remind us of your great love. Help us to worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.